0: Studies have shown that the more the child is exposed to screen time or the longer duration, which is more than the one hour recommended in a day, um, then they, have, they can actually develop delay in their speech. A lot of people say like, you no, know, you can't learn parenting or there's no formula to parenting, which in essence is true, but there are different styles of parenting. So then they're likely to get uh, diabetes diabetes Um, if they don't have good quality and they're eating overly processed, high calorie foods, then they're going to develop obesity um, most likely.
1: Hello, viewers and listeners. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, where we elevate your well-being and health at once. I realized Sixty percent of the viewers of my channel or people who get exposed to this content have not yet subscribed. So I urge you to do that so that this information may reach more people and we may empower more people. One and the only, the pediatrician with the biceps. (laughs) Also known as Ask Dr. Rain. He is a pediatrician. He's someone who is having an impact on the society. Despite doctors being busy He's always out there educating through short videos, uh, replying to people both online and offline. And he's someone who's having a lot of impact on people. And for that reason, we decided to have him in our podcast. Today, we'll talk about everything about pediatrics. Another thing is a disclaimer to put out there is every pediatrician was once a doctor. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, he can also comment on... Things which are pertaining on adult health yeah true welcome dr rain
0: Asante sana. it's a pleasure it's a pleasure to be here um i like uh, what you're doing uh, keep on doing it you're doing it a really really um high quality as well so it's you know i'm just uh, very very um, impressed um you're shooting. You're producing. You're doing the post-production. You're like a whole production house. So that's that's really nice, man. Um, yeah, and it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to to be on these platforms.
1: Thank you, Doctor Doctor Rain. Um, I realized just a few minutes ago I was I was on TikTok and viewing one of your one of your videos. What does it take to be a doctor, and at the same time, you're trying to make content out?
0: Um, uh, so most of the times, yeah, it can be really, really busy. Sometimes you want to be more consistent, um, in content creation, but, um, the way our, our work is set up, it consumes a lot of our time. So, but what I try to do is I try to be the content. So maybe I'm working and I've seen a couple of patients and I'm shocked about something like they don't know about maybe the symptoms of malaria. Um, excuse me, or they don't know about the symptoms of dehydration. You know things that we consider basic. Basic. Um. Uh, so when I when I when I get those encounters, then it usually motivates me to to do my videos. So initially, I used to try and do very high quality videos to do them perfectly with the good quality cameras. But um, the problem with that going that route is that number one, it's it's not only very expensive to put out such content. Um, but it also requires you to it takes time you have to shoot, you have to go to a location you have to do post production and all that so that's when i dis- um well, not discovered, but i started doing the the short videos using my phone in selfie mode yeah that way yeah, I can yeah. before Easily. even that idea goes away
1: you've already yes wow that that that's, that's what yeah that is really an exceptional way to think about it or even. Uh, to do it because many people consume themselves, including myself, in mm-hmm. trying to make the things right until even at a, one point the idea even goes away.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So you know what I mean.
1: So, Doctor Doc, what has been your path to being a pediatrician?
0: Oh, yeah, the path to being a pediatrician has been a a hard one. It's been a lot of pressure. I never wanted to be a pediatrician. I was one of those doctors who said, I'm not going to fall to the pressure of, you know, internship, finish internship, become a medical officer, immediately you become a medical officer, do your postgraduate, because we want to do things so quickly nowadays. So I just told myself, I'll go with what I'm interested in. I was actually interested in surgery, um, but then where I did my internship, which was Kenyatta uh, National Hospital, I wasn't exposed to as much surgery as I would, if somebody did internship in like the yeah, yeah, or yeah. machakos cause because there you, you have, have the surgical registrars, registrars ex- yeah. and they do almost everything and they have also mm. to to make sure that they meet certain surgeries to be able to pass yeah? yeah so um it just came about naturally but it really i became interested when i became an uncle so my niece, my niece it plays a big role for me becoming a pediatrician, wow. because then I started being exposed to pediatrics more. I started seeing another side of uh, of kids. I also started seeing the gap. Um, you know, once I started being mentored by other pediatricians before I became a medical officer, so there's there's a big gap um, in pediatric knowledge in basic knowledge, and I thought, yeah, everything was gearing towards that when patients see you and you're still a medical officer and they're asking they think you're a pediatrician and they ask you where is your clinic then something in your head head starts telling you okay maybe it's and it's time but also a lot of people around me pushed me as well pediatricians would always tell me yeah you should do this it suits you
1: what can you say are the essential components of raising a healthy child
0: First, in, they need to grow up in a in a very nurturing environment. So they need to grow up in a place where the mother and father of the child are pref- preferably present. Or if it's not the actual paternal father or it's not the mother, there's somebody there. If people are co-parenting and it's a nurturing environment. The parents are not arguing all the time. They're not fighting. Um, they're not, you know, abusing substances in the house and, and things like that. So a nurturing environment is very, very important. Um, of course, when I mean nurturing, it's it's all aspects. Uh, you have to look at the child's nutrition. Kids have uh, nutritional needs, needs, you know, um, especially when they are toddlers and Below the age of two, it's it's very important that they have minimum diet diversity, and this is making sure they have all their macronutrients and their micronutrients within you know um, within the mm. day. You know your vegetables have to be there, your fruits have to be there, your dairy in terms of yogurt or cheese. Um, the small ones who take formula is considered also dairy, uh, and then your carbs, your carbohydrates whether it's plant-based, whether it is more f- high-fiber, like sweet potatoes. Uh, but sweet potatoes are classified as vitamin A vegetables and then vegetables. So now you have vegetables and then a group called vitamin A vegetables, which ah. is your sweet potatoes, your carrots and, and and things, pumpkins, all that stuff. So those small kids' nutrition, um, psychologically as well, yeah. you know, um, there's different types of parenting. Uh, that we we know about nowadays, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of people say like, you no, know, you can't learn parenting, or there's no formula to parenting, which in essence is true. But there are different styles of parenting, and research has been done on the different styles. Like there's authoritative parenting, which I think most Africans have yeah, yeah, yeah. have, where you know it's there's the man of the house. And what he says is is, is what the goes. end. Yeah, is what goes. There's no time for discussion. There's no mm-hmm. democracy. Uh, if you cross the line, so it's more of patriarchal. Exactly. So it's patriarchal, authoritative. So think of like a dictator. No. So that's one style of parenting. So it's also been shown that the studies that type of of um, authoritative parenting isn't good for, isn't healthy for a child. Then you have permissive parenting, where you're giving your child almost everything Mm -hmm. you do want to you don't want the the baby to when there's the baby is crying for anything they want sweets they want this they want to watch more tv you just allow them to do whatever they want um which is has also been shown to to um not to be as as healthy as healthy yeah yeah um so there's different there's different types um of of parenting so that's just in terms of parenting and the psychology uh, aspects, but in essence, just nature from nutrition, psychological, on a social Socialist. standpoint, they have yeah. to also socialize. Um, there's something that people need to know about is called Adverse Childhood Experiences. Yeah. So it was a study called the ACES study that was done and they looked at the different things that um, when children are advo- uh, exposed to <laughs> adverse childhood experiences some most of the things that i had mentioned you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, domestic violence at home uh, substance in the house yeah, yeah. trauma physical abuse be it sexual abuse gender based violence abuse uh, of, of the kids neglect all those things um actually impact so it it's for that person to actually be able to survive um if the, Kids have there's usually like a, a scale based on certain yeah, you yeah, yeah. you 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 take and then the way we score they, certain yeah, things they 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 so can yeah. adapt
1: to become exactly so, so if you have
0: a very high score then you're at risk of developing, developing depression, depression, anxiety, um, anxiety exactly so high suicide so you start rates.
1: manifesting the things that you suffered exactly. early on in your life so when so, you
0: see men depressed or you see a high suicide rate. It's always good to look back about to see this population and how yeah yeah they they were exposed as children that has also predisposed them to such um such things. So that's why I like pediatrics because if we give you the knowledge yeah at yeah. an early stage, then we can prevent um uh, all this money on yeah, you know antidepressants yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and pumping us with toxic drugs,
1: toxic drugs and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, where it's prevention. So good parenting at an early age as a pediatrician mm. you get to help the parents to cope up with the child in their life at the same time the child to cope up with their parents yes. in their life
0: yes that's that's really and remarkable building good healthy resilience so when even adverse things happen in life if you know loss and things it's because of you have you've raised them in a nurturing environment they have better resilience and and better yeah. uh, coping, coping mechanism yeah wow uh,
1: recently, I watched one of your videos that was talking about uh childhood allergies.
0: How do we identify them early um well we if you if you have if you see good pediatricians and and the more pediatricians we need out there to pick pick them up we pick them as early as when they're babies Wow you know um since since they're newborns we see a lot of some babies having um, manifesting eczema proper classical e- eczema, eczema signs atopic dermatitis that is so if you have somebody that is knowledgeable um and you see a doctor that can be able to take a good history um because I don't you don't really need to be a pediatrician but you have to have as a medical officer you need to have some 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 love for yeah. it or do a couple of cme's because these are things I was speaking up as a as a pediatric medical officer so things like eczema you can pick up. So if you take history and you see that in the family that there is genetic uh, predisposition. predisposition or there are members in the family dealing with, with eczema. Um, sometimes it's not the skin uh, cause allergies. Atopic dermatitis usually comes as a triad, as, as three things. So you have the skin, which is classical, that's the largest uh, immune organ. And then you have um, your, your nose and your eyes or the teeth which you get uh, allergic conjunctivitis red teary eyes and then the nose either severe congestion or a lot of runny nose or sometimes mm. it it um it goes uh hand in hand where it's like runny one minute and then the other time it's very congested congested yeah oh. and then the other one is the chest which is asthma so so it's acute um rhinoconjunctivitis asthma and then atopic dermatitis atopic dermatitis so the three is, oh. yeah, yeah.
1: <clears throat> Another thing I've meant to ask about allergies is: Are we overtreating allergies? Because I came across the concept of uh, they. I, I think it's a kind of a theory in in, in US, whereby there is a time they stopped giving peanuts to kids because peanuts uh, kids were overreacting to peanuts. Mm. Uh, so over time, what they came to realize is they stopped uh, uh, kids coming with peanuts to school, and then. One year down the line, I think they realize that more kids are reacting now to peanuts because they are not getting exposed to peanuts. Mm-hmm. What does exposure? How does
0: it play a role in allergy prevention? So it's it starts off very very early, um, and that's that's it's actually interesting because um, allergy is actually an area that I'm getting more and more interested in. Um, especially in sub-specializing now that I'm a consultant pediatrician. Um, so the allergies can can form from very, very young. And what you're saying is absolutely right, because in the past, even as pediatricians, we used to try and avoid uh, introducing highly allergenic foods when we start complementary feeding at six months. We used to say, don't eat eggs, wait until one year because eggs are highly allergenic. Or peanuts, avoid the peanuts. But we're we're starting to realize that the more you get, you you start exposing uh, your body to this allergen, mm. and most of the times, depending on the quantities. Yeah. So the more we're exposed to to some allergens, the the body can react differently, especially when you're starting from an early age. Yeah, when you're introducing foods. So, for example, when I start telling mothers to introduce foods from six months. Because the the science has changed, I'm telling them don't restrict. You know, introduce that egg, introduce that uh, those. Of course, now will yeah. be peanut butter, the crushed peanuts yeah. or or whatever. Um, dairy, introduce the dairy, introduce the meat. Don't be afraid, introduce the fish, the prawns. Because it's only at that age that you can actually start sensitizing would, the body exactly to put it as simple as possible that's yeah. all you're doing like you're, you're just teaching to the body to teaching tolerate the body. these things exactly no. and where eczema and allergies come in place is because the skin is your your largest immune system and it's your primary defense is is your skin so when babies have eczema and they have very rough skin what happens is is that you find that these allergens sometimes enter the body via the skin so when you have very rough scratched skin uh, open skin as a baby and you're frying fish in the kitchen those particles of fish end up on the skin and then they enter the body and then this they they for them it's a, it's a foreign body yeah it, so then the next time the baby actually now eats it, it doesn't go through the skin but is eating it it's already been identified as a foreign body so then you start developing um, an allergy to yeah. fish if you are boiling milk and the particles are there, you be, you start having like a very strong uh, cow milk protein allergy. So, so the skin
1: becomes the first receptor, sensitizes your immune system. Yes, and then later on, when you consume the same thing, you start reacting to it.
0: Exactly through wow. the different now through the gastrointestinal uh, yeah. system, and that's why the microbiome is also very important. Very important. It's. Um, I saw one of imagine, your videos.
1: You were talking about microbiome. Yes, I yes, almost
0: yes. watch all your content. <laughs> Thanks man. Thanks for I try. I try to just put the information out there. And um it's it's fairly new um the the science in terms of evidence because you know there's different strengths of evidence. But it's it's very promising as well as much as there's some not as advanced in terms of research of the microbiome, but it's it's very encouraging from from some of the things we see. Yeah.
1: So what does an ideal nutrition plan looks like from a baby, let's say when we group them, Mm. infants to babies up to two years?
0: I would put them in in one category. Uh, So what I had mentioned earlier was the minimum diet diversity of uh, making sure you have your carbohydrates, your vitamin A vegetables, those things. So first is the basic diet, but it's also the quality of your food. So you want to go less processed foods. And processed is anything that is in a box or you need yeah. to put it in a microwave. Something that has been made easier is usually not healthy. So you want healthy, wholesome food. Food. Um the fresher the the vegetable, the less processed it is, the better. Yeah, so as long as they're having that, and then of course, you know, when, it, when they are six months, you start um, introducing. So you start by blending, then you puree it, then later on you mash it, then you start uh, giving the child now more of course uh, coarse food. And then eventually you're letting the child feed themselves. So you these are all things that parents must do. They don't just, the babies don't just um, learn how to chew by themselves. You have to learn from now. You've, you've been taking liquid breast milk, and then now we have to puree it, make it thicker. Now we have stronger gums. Now we have teeth. Let's start chewing all the way. And then once once they do that, is until two years. What we say is from the first one thousand days. What you introduce to your to your child, uh, that first two years can change the way the outcome from uh, acquiring non communicable diseases. It's known as the first one thousand days of life. So if you're going to give your baby uh, overly processed foods, sugar, and, wow. and, and all that stuff, then you're you're also the same way with the allergies, the way we are, you know, sort of like... Um, orienting the immune orienting, system. Yeah, sensitizing is the mm-hmm. same way. So they're likely to get now because you're already playing with the insulin in the body and everything. So then they're likely to get uh, diabetes. diabetes and all um, that if they don't have good quality and they're eating overly processed, high calorie, foods, then they're going to develop obesity, uh, most likely. Um, and other things, cardiovascular diseases, mm-hmm. hypertension, all this based on food, just food primarily. Primarily. So it's like the ACEs study how it prevents other adverse, adverse, psychological, adverse psychological events. Uh, you have your first 1000 days, and that also st- but it also starts with the mother. So when the mom is pregnant, it's not like she can just eat ice cream and pizza anytime she wants. Of course, there are those cravings you try mm-hmm. to but you try to minimize, because it then it's all epigenetics where it will affect. Now you you'll be changing the way the gene is supposed to. Yeah, be. Yeah. yeah.
1: So like if you if a mother and you're you're pregnant and you're consuming a lot of sugary stuff, mm. you're a healthy adult human being. So your pancreas overproduces insulin to counteract the the excessive sugar in your body, mm. and that same insulin is still perceived by the child yes and then, because they're
0: attached you, know, you know the you know. the placenta mm. you know they they have the same uh, uh, blood supply so all mm. whatever is in the blood uh, that that high level of uh, insulin that insulin resistance fluctuating mm. and it's, it it does something and we see we see that especially d- they develop um, gestational uh, diabetes and then they have very high blood sugar and then they end up having very large babies or yeah. macrosonic, uh, macrosonic, macrosomic babies. babies because of the high sugar. So of course the baby grows uh, much bigger, but then that puts the mother at more risk, especially if they're in a place where uh, getting an emergency cesarean section is is, is something different. Because they get babies as as big as five kgs. Five kgs. And yeah. if you can't push that out normally, then it, it's it's going to be a problem for the both of them.
1: Another thing I came to realize, uh, while still talking about the concept of nutrition in pediatrics we sometimes feed the kids for a longer period of time. Like you realize mm. a mother feeding a four year old baby. Mm. I mean, what role does that play in the child's? Health? Yeah,
0: yeah, um, that's that's something I'm really trying to change, especially in my practice when I when I see um, the kids, the toddlers and the parents, I, tr- I try to encourage independence because, like I said, it's not like the child knows that when I turn one, I should be able to start now eating properly and being independent or when I turn three, I should be able to 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 go to the loo without using diapers. So it's, it's up to the child because I have seen situations um, where they're still blending the food. The child is one year and they're still blending the food. Uh, they're blending the meat. They're doing everything. And then it's three years old. The child is still eating mashed food, is still being fed. So this affects the gut. This affects exactly. the oral development exactly. of the baby. This when those are all milestones. So the the beautiful thing that happens in in kids below two years is 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 the brain. It's neuroplasticity and how now the the, the brain is starting to network. It's the foundations that we're building. And based on this, the foundations. If you build a weak foundation, then you become more susceptible to diseases, uh, non communicable diseases. You build a stronger foundation um from from the neuroscience and from building these neurons so once they learn how to chew that the brain is telling so this when you put this this texture this is what you do you have yeah. to start chewing and these are all there's a lot happening there's a lot of uh, electrical activity happening and synapses the in brain. the brain um during um, uh, the first 2 years of life so you start building that and if you don't encourage that then four years your child is not won't be able to do it um, a lot of the things mothers are afraid of is, oh, I'm afraid my child is going to choke. That's wh- one of the reasons why they always blend, blend and things like that. Of- or I, I I hear my child sometimes start like gagging and, 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 and stuff like that. But I tell them the same way we are building and learning, they have to develop a, a protective reflex, reflex in yeah. the brain. So they have to have a good gag reflex. They have to have um, a good swallow reflex. They need to also be able to... To have a good cough reflex, so that when it's going towards the windpipe, they are able to cough able and to reject. push yeah. everything out. But if you if you don't do that and you do and they don't know what it feels like when it's going the other way, if you don't expose them to that, to sorry to say, they won't build a good um, yeah. reflex. Yeah.
1: Another thing that I realize is really key in parenting or even raising up a newborn, or even a child, is the role of activities, the role of, you know, exposing this child to exercises and outdoor activities as early as
0: possible. What, what role does it play in health? Oh, it plays a big role. We now have, um, so there's guidelines now for, for kids, for toddlers. There's, um, and it's it, it's two-way, it's looked at screen time and it looked at physical activity because both of those reduced uh, physical activities associated with increased screen time. So the more you're uh, a couch potato, the more you're going to become heavier and, and obese. And then it, it brings about all these other, other diseases, other opportunities for non-communicable diseases. So the WHO has guidelines. Um, so below one year, we don't recommend any screen time. Um, and then also the play time uh, below one year, you want them to do at least 30, 45 minutes uh, or so. And then from there there's there's different ranges from one to three. To three yeah. yeah. But you want at least um and they and they separate there's rigorous activity which involves like uh, playing around and, and things like that. Um but also recently re- re- released by uh, WHO was um the benefits of resistant training in children mm-hmm. and and how it's it's also helping um them build um not only just be stronger, but healthier, and also reduces the chances of certain uh, diseases, diseases as well. So it's not just running around. Uh, kids should also start resistant training as, resistant as training early as, early as, as possible, as possible. Um, but of course with, with with trained with caution. Yes, with trained people and and things like that. Um, and then screen time not more than one hour in a day. Usually even for five-year-olds, six-year-olds, people don't don't actually know that. Um, it's very unfortunate we see parents trying
1: to calm down their young ones by giving them phones, by giving them gadgets. And you yeah. see the child using the gadgets for a very long period of time. I came across recently a video, I don't know if you have seen, a child who's sleeping, but his hand is moving as if he's moving from one shop to another.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. I haven't seen that one. You know, yeah, um, so it's a big problem we're having. I'll I'll be frank. Now that I'm a parent, I do understand why why uh, parents <laughs> do that because it's it's an opportunity, especially for for in a situation where you need your child to be still for for a few uh, so that you can do something. That is is different. Um, but then letting them sit down for two hours, three hours, just watching a screen so that you can do something. And what usually happens is um, studies have shown that the more the child is exposed to screen time or the longer duration, which is more than the one hour recommended in a day, um, then they, have, they can actually develop delay in their speech. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that is the reason why the kids nowadays... Uh, are more on, on that and a lot of us usually like to blame the kids and say that they are now on their phones a lot or screen is because we are always on the phone uh-huh. our generation from <laughs> so we're millennials projecting. Gen Z I mean yes the child shouldn't be on the phone but they should be doing something like playing with toys it's the same thing because sometimes I also have to check myself well, especially when my child is like uh, my son gets cranky and things like that. It's because I realize, okay, I'm here swiping left and right. Um, I'm not giving him the attention that he needs. he needs. Um and that's why he's cranky. And he's he if if he gets the phone or he gets the TV, then it's it's both of us still still addicted. The only problem mm. is now they throw tantrums because they don't know how to control their emotions. So it's very tough. I would encourage people to you know what happens is the mom will go to work, the dad will go to work. You leave them home. You have somebody watching your your child, but the same person watching the child has to clean the house, has to cook, has to do whatever. So for her, so that when the people who have hired her don't get angry that you haven't cleaned the house, you haven't cooked, because if they come back and say, hey, "Well, how come this <laughs> is not?" You said, "No, I was with with your baby." Then they're going to be like, "Okay, now we have to revisit this conversation." so she's going to switch on the the youtube the ipad so that she yeah, can stay yeah. still so do that her I work can, can still. cook i can clean and i've seen this even in my practice is kids who are get that type of um situation it usually takes much longer for the child to talk but if you can get somebody to sit down with the child um, and interact with the child more yeah and and honestly to be honest with you, screen time I I'd, I'd like it's it's a topic of we need more more research into it, because there's also some educational things that are on the screens that the child gets exposed to that actually benefit and improve the speech. Like I hate doing this, being oh my son, my son, but mm. I'm just going to say like yeah, yeah, for for
1: your pediatrician who has a son, so yeah. The so I'm becomes... seeing
0: how is like there's certain things he watches has impact, like he knows. He knows a Lamborghini, a Ferrari, Yeah. you know, he knows, like, he's two, but he knows a bulldozer, an excavator, he knows the engine, he knows the dipstick, he knows this is the gear, this is the steering wheel, this is for the wipe. So there's there's the educational aspect. There's the educational aspect. So when I, like, put him in the car, I wonder, like, how come he knows all this stuff? And when I speak to the mother, he's like, no, there's this thing he watches, it has this, this, this so it's increased his vocabulary it's increased his um knowledge of you know general things he knows a lorry he knows this is a car you know so it has its positives i believe yeah. but if we don't do more research into it and understand just how this impacts no. is different but also we're going to have a different generation of kids this this gen- they're going to it's going because They're they're being exposed at a younger age. So I think that's also something we have to consider. Uh,
1: Another thing is you mentioned um, uh, the aspect of you talking to the child and they're still using the phone. So I I was thinking of this analogy where the mother is talking to you and the Mm -hmm. child is trying to talk to the mother to show them something. So -hmm. they're seeking the mother's attention. Mom mom check this mm. and the mother is talking to you or you're talking to the mother mm. do you tell the child wait and you teach them to be patient and mm. not to disturb uh, the communications between two people or actually you give attention to the baby and that you stop your conversation
0: so that that would depend on the child's age because i believe everything is like age appropriate like a 2 year old or when and a the, one and a half where old they, where they start saying, Mom, 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 they don't know. They don't know what conversation you're having. They don't know this They whether it's serious. They don't know that they're being rude or it's it's not polite to, but once you know, a child is like five, six, you know, this is the time now they're starting to understand. It's again, it's milestones and brain development. Um, if your child is five or six, they're doing that, or it's a seven year old and they still haven't understood that. You might start questioning um, whether this child, in terms of communication, everything is okay, uh, do they need uh, better skills in terms of communication and stuff like that. So, it's it depends on the age. If a two-year-old does it, I mean, there's nothing you can do, it's a two-year-old. If a seven-year-old is doing that, then that's also boils down to what I was telling you about styles of parenting. types of parenting. And understanding, you know, and then being a, an appropriate disciplinarian, you know, mm-hmm. using the right things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. And we know now that a lot of us had adverse childhood experiences because corporal punishment was, was, was included as as a you know, trauma. So another thing to ask, uh,
1: uh do we to COVID vaccine, the problem that has started with vaccinations. Uh, what are the what are the role of vaccination in raising a healthy child?
0: Oh, I think vaccines are very very important. They they're very big. Um, if if for once we we put away the controversies and the politics and 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 the, and the emotions aside, um, and you just look at over the last one hundred years what vaccines have done, and you look at the numbers. Of how many people died of this versus you After know the we vaccine. look fifty years of, of vaccination, how many have been averted, how many diseases have we forgotten about or we never see, mm. you know like um it's very hard to see tetanus yeah, like nowadays some of
1: some of um as medical practitioners it's hard to I've never come across a polio case yes. in my entire practice
0: yeah it's and those the, historical diseases that you yeah. hear about that you should know about but you've, you you you've never seen it because of the impact of of vaccination now um with vaccines at the end of the day it all boils down to science and and you have to look into the development of of vaccines and the likes and i think we're doing pretty okay in terms of the structures in place um and the issues have really been based on a lot of mistrust uh, because anything that involves big pharmaceuticals, capitalism, and producing vaccines, because as much as we have Gavi, we have our WHO, these vaccines are developed most of the time by certain uh, pharmaceutical companies based on you know billions and dollars of of research. Because as 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 a global community, we are not really big in in research. We don't develop a lot. We leave it to capitalism the way the system has, has has been evolved. And then because people have spent billions, then, you know, they have to make their money back. So a lot of uh, people have this notion that healthcare, it should be free and, you know, the hypocrite's oath and all that stuff. And it's true. Um, And a lot of people believe that, you know, shouldn't be able to pay. And I also believe in that um module. But at the end of the day, is also people need to realize that for these things to be developed, it costs a lot of money. Somebody bears the cost. Just because you're getting the vaccine for free when you go to a government clinic, yes, it's free to you, the citizen. But it's not free to the government. It's not free to the government. There's money that is 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 being paid somewhere. There's, there's terms and conditions somewhere um, about it. But you'll find that some of them are controversies that have a lot of salt. So misinformation, like I like to call it, a lot of snippets, a lot of people are pushing their own agendas where they can get fake doctors. Nowadays with AI, it's so crazy. I'm (laughs) telling you there are people who are going to take my face and I'll be telling people to take a particular tonic because of AI. I've seen the video of
1: Joy Rogan uh, talking about a certain thing Mm. and then I was so amused. Like I know Joy Rogan, he doesn't talk about these things. Mm -hmm. And then I came to realize the whole thing was, wasn't a drogan talking it so was just an audio of you know an ai generated yeah. thing
0: so there is a lot of things there there is a lot of factual things um so with covid it's still yes there there were there were those people who got side effects with with covid and you see the thing is with medicine there is always rare yeah. incidences um i share if you follow me you know i share a lot of like positive stories uh or maybe when I receive a baby or we do a successful resuscitation and things like that, or a newborn delivery and everything has gone well. But there's also moments where uh, things don't go well. Yeah, yeah then yeah, yeah. There's, it's not as common. Uh, they happen in our practice. The time you maybe lose a patient and when somebody or a surgery goes wrong, it's rare, it's extremely rare. That's why you sign consent. And most of the times we reassure you everything is going to be OK, but we can't tell you 100 percent outcome yeah. yeah we're not God, you know mm. so mm. Uh, things can happen. so on on that note uh still talking about vaccination, the the, the a friend was asking
1: me about baby friendly vaccination and mm. she mentioned an extended mm. uh, extended vaccines. Uh, w- what's the role of you know the actual guideline of vaccines and these extended programs
0: that are okay. given by private facilities? So ideally, so there is, yes, that's that's a good question. Um, And I'll tell you what my teacher told me, who is also the, the, the president or the chair of uh, Kenya Pediatric Association. All vaccines are baby-friendly because if you think about it, you want to, you want to get vaccinated to boost your immunity mm-hmm. so that when you acquire certain or you're exposed to a certain disease, it doesn't uh, put you in ICU or it doesn't kill you. So whether it's baby friendly, whether it's the other f- uh, government mm-hmm. vaccines, they're all friendly to the baby. Um, so moving into why there's a difference. So uh, there's going to be a big change, especially in Kenya now, with in terms of vaccines, there's even been shortages. We were once a low-income country. So when you're a low-income country, you, through the GAVI, uh, this is the Global Alliance for Vaccines. It makes the cost for vaccines for different uh, countries on purchase much yeah. lower, and sometimes they also donate a lot of uh, these these vaccines. So now that we are moved moving away from that, I think we are now a uh, middle income in, into that category. So things are getting much more expensive, and also the type of support that Gavi can give these countries is. Much, much less, and that's also why we don't um, we're having less antiretroviral medication. Um, we're having less uh, kits, reagents for doing the DNA and viral loads and things like that. If you if if you yeah. look at, at uh, what's happening with the HIV care, um, which is actually be, being a, a big problem because we're seeing a resurgence in in actual HIV cases. Before people could do viral load, they could always check their yeah, status. Yeah. Now there's there's that problem. So in terms of vaccines again now, the it's not that the ones in private, ideally we should get them, but it's also what can your government afford. afford. And then research is done. We um, usually have our own uh, body of, yes, mm. of research here um, that is run under Ministry of Health, uh, but it's also a working group where they they, they, do they determine research. Yes, uh, priority-wise. Exactly. Because right now in contention is, There's a push for uh, introducing the influenza vaccine as part of the government program, so that people get the the shots, the shots against uh, influenza, because there's been a lot of fatalities of um, pneumonia that is, uh, the and the the viral is usually pneumonia, you know, and a lot of RSV. So it's not that um, the private ones are or private is just forcing kids to get Make unnecessary more. vaccines. It's good for them to have it uh-huh. as well. It's just that the government will prioritize based on certain research or the prevalence of what's the prevalence of, of this condition yeah. in this area. I'll give you an example. The rotavirus was never included before in the in the national uh, vaccination program as free. But I remember before it was introduced, I was an intern in Kenyatta, and we had so many babies dying of uh, de- uh, dehydration, you know, severe dehydration and going as into shock. Of, yes, and as a result of rota. So it's after doing studies, they realized, realized so many we babies were true. losing so many babies over a disease that actually has a vaccine. So it was based on that research and based on the push. And then it was a big study done uh, by Kemri. So they introduced the rota vaccine. Oh. So there's, there's a body that works on it and they do all this. They try to make the decision based on research uh, sometimes the government is receptive, sometimes it depends, you know, on on uh, what type of government you have. So they're all, I mean, they're all important. Unfortunately, if you don't get those ones, you go to private, but it comes at a cost. So the cost. that's the unfortunate thing. But I think as the country grows, as we become much better, then if universal health care is really, really taken seriously, then we'll see a change.
1: Wow, that's, that's some good insight. So baby-friendly vaccines, we can say is what your baby needs and all vaccines are baby-friendly. If you can afford to have an extended vaccinations for your baby, like having influenza vaccines, well yeah. and good. If yeah. not, let your baby get the ones that are free within the government yeah. guidelines. As,
0: a bare, As those, a bare minimum, those will be bare minimum. And you'll also find that um, sometimes when you're traveling now, maybe to the US or other countries, that some of the vaccines the US requires are not in your in in our government program. Like uh, maybe the meningitis vaccines, there's certain hepatitis vaccines that they require. Um and they don't we don't give that in government routinely. Um same way we prioritize because we are not a a rich country like like the Western countries. So again that that also um is is sad to know that we could be covered but because our government doesn't have enough. Resources
1: you know. we are not covered as me, as, as yeah. much or
0: as uh, you know wide as we can be covered. Yeah, no. but yeah, we're we're getting there as mm. as a country, I think. Uh,
1: another thing to mention is cases of vitamin D
0: deficiency
1: is going mm. up. What is it that's not happening?
0: Yeah, vitamin D deficiency is really a problem. I think for for me and and, and a lot of us pediatricians nowadays, once we see a child more than two three times. Uh, coming in sick, um, whether they just have recurrent tonsillitis, whatever infection, pneumonia, one of the places that we always check is vitamin D, and we're finding uh, actually we have quite a a high number of vitamin D deficiency, not just in children, but in adults. adults. And um, what's even more sad is that, and probably a thing now we need to be pushing for also, you know, in uh, we don't just give vaccines, we also give vitamins in the Supplement, immunization basically yes so for pregnant we give the folic uh, acid supplementation and then for kids we do the vitamin a supplementation um as well uh, so now things like vitamin d i think eventually will have to be put into place uh because we're seeing a large number of vitamin d deficiency uh we're seeing a lot of rickets as well and we're also seeing a rise in vitamin D resistant uh, rickets as well. Wow. So, ideally, what happens in the Western countries, which we say makes sense because they don't have sun, is for them it's a must. Like, as part of your supplements, as much as you're breastfeeding, vitamin also D also must supplement. Yeah. So, D. for me personally, even for me with the mothers, when I discharge the babies home, I want to discharge them on uh, vitamin D uh, supplements because it not only it's not just for the bones a lot of people think yeah, just vitamin, vitamin d is the, the one of the
1: vitamins that's a hormone basically exactly you so know.
0: it it does a lot even for it the your
1: immune system your brain development exactly. your bone density exactly. i mean people associate it with only bones and mm. calcium absorption but again it covers wide the range exactly than that.
0: There's a they, they they can have deficiency and the, the kids will just look, they just look lethargic, they just don't want to
1: eat. So these recurrent infections and recurrent, uh, you know, things that uh, were not usual, uh, mm. it's as a result of vitamin D deficiency.
0: Well, it's one of the, one of the things one that of you guys reasons. are seeing yeah. after doing tests. Yeah, yeah. So okay, when you say
1: there is a correlation between vitamin D deficiency and the current lifestyle we have, babies never touching grass or never going out.
0: Yeah, yeah. More and more people are living in apartments. Yeah. You know, um, where is where is where's the grass? Um, if you're living in the our urban rural settlements, yeah. You know how Kibra, how Mkuru he is just nearby yeah. here and the in the Kijijis, that the houses are very close together. They don't have a playground. If my baby goes outside, it's the road and they'll get hit. So they'd rather stay. Inside. inside the inside the house, so they're hardly so, getting exposed to exactly the sun to the sun um so of course there's that is that there's no land to roam around and and play around in uh like we used to um then the other thing is it's also important to say that the sun is also it can also be harmful you know mm-hmm. a lot of we still have uh, skin cancers even in African skin. And um a lot of it's de- uh, there's a lot of debate about sunscreen. Some people have controversies about it. Um, the more I'm on Twitter, the more I <laughs> learn about um, people and their controversies. Um, and how sunscreen actually you know is is really, really important. but if you're going to put your child six months and above out there for vitamin D in the sun for a long time, it's important to have you know SPF50 sunscreen as bare minimum. Protect because the ozone layer, climate change has been there. Has our been ozone layer that used to protect us. People used to tell me, "You people are just pushing an agenda. You're trying to push <laughs> products." My whatever. I never used to use sunscreen. How come they never <laughs> got skin cancer? But then they don't look at the other protective things that our environment and our world used to have had, and that's that's why the theme even for climate change was around um, health, the impact of climate change in actually our health this year at the COP. Uh, COP28 uh, that was there in, in in Dubai. So, I mean, things are just uh, some things. Those are some of the controversies and the misinformation. That's how we fight it. Um, so if you're not going to put sunscreen, just know you are increasing the risk.
1: The risk of getting some yeah, form of skin, skin cancer, cancer,
0: melanomas.
1: Yeah, but again, uh, you get at least some exposure of the sun. Uh, another thing is the role it plays on sleep. Yes. And setting your circadian rhythm. Yes. Uh you see, what will you say? Uh, how much sleep should a baby get? With time, has that been decreasing, and does it have a, an impact on health?
0: Mm, I would say, you know, it's so sleep is it's a range. Again, um, we have zero to six months, and then six to twelve months, and above twelve months. So the smaller your baby is, if you have an infant, you want them to sleep at least, you're looking at around 14 to 16 hours, you know? They need to have naps. So they're waking up every three hours. They they wake up, then they go back, they nap uh, type of thing. And then um, as from six months to 12 months, it reduces, 12 hours is usually good enough. Once they start becoming toddlers, you want them to at least have some one hour to two hour day naps and then at night they need to sleep at least 10 hours, um, at least nine hours, uh, school going children at least nine hours, you know, so they should be in bed at eight. Especially now what's affecting sleep is actually kids waking up so early in the morning, Very or unfortunate. Five, yeah. four or five in the morning, going so to school, go to you school. know, you
1: see kids standing alongside the road as yeah. early as 4.30, Waiting for a bus and probably they have slept 9 or even 10, 10, 11, trying to do homeworks and all that. There was a recent paper I read, uh, which was really fascinating. Uh, One of the states in the United States of America is they they increased uh, the time a child can come to school from Mm -hmm. 7 to, I think, 9. So Mm -hmm. giving that an allowance of, you know, sleep. And then mm. they realized the overall performance of the school of the schools in that region changed completely mm. because mm. children were getting enough sleep and so then I associated important. it with another paper that says uh, that they kept individuals for like 12 hours without sleep, and then they looked uh, at the ability of them to retain information and funny enough, not only to retain information but the ability to even receive the information mm. and then they realized individuals who are who have not had sleep for the last 12 hours or even 24 hours are significantly not receiving information mm. so you are trying to wake up your child rush him to school mm. uh, you know uh, disrupting their sleep will you say that will make the child not to gain anything from mm. the school
0: exactly exactly so those are those are definite conversations that that we need to have uh, because sleep is is proven the studies out there is is numerous. It's the same way um, for you now that you're in fitness. If you don't sleep, if you don't get your eight hours of sleep before the workout, your body won't won't be able to really, really recover. And um, if we don't if you don't start prioritizing uh, good sleep and reducing the things that affect our sleep, especially Messing around with, you know, um, your serotonin and your your dopamine, dopamine all the time, and melatonin and all that from all the screen time and all that 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 we, we consume.
1: What are the most common childhood illnesses that are frequent in these times, or in your practice, you see them?
0: Okay, so the most common in in our setting um, that could kill you. Or lead you in hospital in children under five is pneumonia, and it can be viral pneumonia, which is influenza, RSV, um, adenovirus, or it can be bacterial pneumonia, different bacteria. Uh, malaria is still a, a big killer for kids under five, um, especially in the endemic areas, lake areas, western areas, and uh, the Eastern. coastal, yeah. Yeah, northeastern areas where we haven't controlled the vector very well, Uh, diarrhea disease, so rotavirus still and and different uh, diarrheal diseases uh, also lead to a a lot of that. Um, What else is usually a big thing? The common things that will get you to an outpatient center is your upper respiratory infections Mm -hmm. and they're usually viral. And that's why um, as much as it's not in the government, I really advocate for the influenza vaccine, the seasonal influenza vaccine that they update uh, every year with the different strains of the mutations of the influenza virus, Uh, because it's not that you will never get those uh, common cold symptoms, runny nose, but it means that your child won't be admitted with uh, bronchiolitis or pneumonia and requires oxygen and all that stuff, which will cost Uh, Eventually, cost you uh, money. Um, Yeah, I think. What else? What else? What else am I missing? Considering you
1: have mentioned uh, pneumonia,
0: TB Uh, as well. Oh, sorry, TB. Mm. TB is also one of the things that's causing a lot of deaths in in kids. In kids, yeah.
1: So, considering those conditions, what are the ideal, uh, you know, way a parent should approach it? What are the things I should have home at first? before I even take my child to the hospital ah uh, so it's
0: it's I mean it's different things fever management
1: yeah they for should for the dehydration everything
0: yeah they should have basic knowledge of especially small children so children die why dehydration kills is because uh, they lose large volumes very quickly and they don't have large vo- they, they don't have a lot of reserves yeah in their body so it's important to know the signs of dehydration important to know when your child is having choking, proper choking, and they're becoming blue or cyan- a sinus. And then it's important for them to know between six months and six years about the importance of fever control, fever management, because you can get febrile uh, seizures or convulsions. So one is fever, at least know the basics, is fever is anything above 38 degrees. Uh, for smaller kids, it's 37, 37.5, these are the neonates and the infants. Um, and then for dehydration, you whenever your child is unable to take anything um, and they are vomiting, they're not able to keep any fluids down um, and they're having diarrhea at the same time. So watery stools that already is your child is at risk of now developing uh, dehydration because they can't replace the fluids and they're already losing fluids. So anytime that happens Uh, you need to go and have the baby just assessed and then they can tell you, okay, let's do this or let's control the vomiting by this and that. So vomiting and diarrhea together and the child not able to take anything because they'll vomit, that's uh, something to warrant uh, a parent to really, really worry. Now, if they have that and um, the child is now looking sleepy all the time, tired or what we call lethargic, their hands are starting to feel a bit cold then it's an emergency then they need to rush the child to the the, the hospital and of course the other is a seizure if anytime your child has a seizure or convulsion uh, most of the time it just they become stiff their upper limbs lower limbs become stiff they can gaze upwards you try to call them they're not uh, responding to your voice it's like they don't know you sometimes a few seconds it, it happens very very quickly for the parents because you're in so much shock. So you can't really time it. As doctors like to ask, so how long did it last? No, like, but huh? in, in reality, because it's, you, you don't really understand what's happening, what's it's happening. such a you shock You cannot gauge yeah.
1: the duration.
0: Yeah, you're in so much shock. So you can only assume, but don't ever take, when a parent tells you, no, it was, it was five minutes, because some will tell you 30 minutes, because for them it felt like it was happening for this. It, it took that long, but sometimes it's just a short thing. So, yeah, I would say those are the things that uh, parents need to look out for.
1: Uh, and uh, some something, uh, a key point also for the parents, what would you say, uh, how should I balance between my health and the health of the child, between my work, my health, and the health of the child again?
0: Mm. So kids are like sponges. If you have a healthy parent, so if you're healthy, um, mentally healthy, you know, physically, you take care of your body. You try to eat well. Um, you're in a nurturing environment. Uh, in terms of in a good relationship with your spouse, then that's a good environment for the child to pick up healthy habits. It's very hard if you're you're not going to the gym. You're not working out. Your child can see that you're you're big in size, but you want your child to you know to exercise to, to not sit on the TV all day you cannot
1: yeah. manifest what you are not
0: exactly so if you're going to be on your phone the whole day don't expect your child to be on the iPad for only 1 hour a day and you're just on your phone or you're just on the TV um yeah they'll 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 realize that and then the work part i don't know i don't know <laughs> the the common thing is work life balance but it's it's really hard it's really hard for some people uh, based on that, the type of work they
1: do. Well yeah, th- that's so true, and uh, it's really hard to either make the child the priority or even the work the priority. Uh, you f- you find out that there are recently videos which are trending, and you see a child is way more connected to their caregiver, mm-hmm. you know, the nun at home,
0: more than yeah. they are connected to their parents. To their parents, you know? yeah. Sometimes not by choice, because by circumstance. Yeah, you know, I see many kids who maybe the parents is don't know they're in Saudi Arabia or they're working somewhere outside, and they're with you know one caregiver. It's it's always going to be different, but I think uh, parents need to be more um, conscious to the fact or 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 cognizant to the fact that if you leave your child with a nanny to perform a role that even if it was you alone to clean the house, to wash the dishes, to take care of your baby, you know that it won't be easy. So it's still it's still very tricky, but sometimes you don't have a choice. You don't
1: have a choice. Yeah. Um, To digress from pediatrics and go maybe into general health, mm-hmm. uh, health and fitness, uh, what's your thought on that? Because you're someone who... Ah, uh, personally, if I talk about you, have inspired me to go to the gym, to make some changes in my life, and I've been following you for a very long period of time. Uh, what 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 will you advise?
0: Hey, first of all, I think even when we talk, when we put this out, you should put your the before and after pictures um, <laughs> of your of your fitness journey. So for me, I feel good because it was it was a turning point for me when I was 30 um and i started late to start getting into fitness um but i've started looking at it as a lifestyle i've stopped putting pressure the, the the mistake a lot of us make is that we're not happy with maybe the way we look or you have now high blood pressure because mm. you've gained too much weight and then we we set unrealistic objective goals yeah although you your yours is a different case because you smashed all your goals in a very short time, because the thing is, you want to set it. It's um, part of your life. Yeah, yeah. And life this is full of be, yeah, ups and downs. Yeah. So if you put it at and say in three months, in six months, I want to get, I want to lose this much weight, and then if you do set your mind to something, yes, you'll do it. But then, are you doing at it just? At Yeah. At that six months, and then when you reach that six months, what happens now? What happens What's after now yeah. that? You've you've done it.
1: Because I have seen so many individuals who are worried about their weight and then they just follow a strict diet and start doing messy habits. Mm. And then in three months, in two months, they lose significant amount of kg. Mm. And then they realize the next four or five months again, they gain it back. Mm. What is the essence for you losing it in the exactly. first place drastically exactly. like that if you're going to gain it back? So yeah. we overestimate what we can do in a year. And I underestimate what we can do in 10 years. Exactly. So you, you, your your approach is consistency and for a longer period of time. Yeah, yeah.
0: setting long term goals. Mm-hmm. So for me, I said like when I turn 40, which is now very soon, like three years, <laughs> there is a certain physique that I still haven't I'm yet to achieve. But if I look at um, where you the journey from? where I've come from, there is a significant difference. Um, it's it's all about understanding your body. It's about educating yourself. A lot about is self-educating. And a lot of people tend to think because you're a doctor, you must know all these things, you yeah. must know about nutrition. But the funny thing is uh as we, we were talking we minimally I mean, understand nutrition. We don't yeah, we don't talk about nutrition in medical school. We yeah. don't talk about you know, protein, we don't, we, we don't know about creatine, but we know about creatinine in levels, yeah. you know, so <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things you have to educate yourself and like you said, it's a mindset, you know, so for me, I had to, I had to like change my attitude to, towards things, like for me, I can't, I don't drink, I don't put sugar in any of my beverages, yeah, like tea and mm-hmm. coffee, I, I have it without sugar and it became normal, but it, I had to. And to change mentally. yeah my mindset, things like sodas, I don't take uh I can't drink sodas, and if I do, I try to go for the the yeah. zero, zero sugar, yeah. yes, there's still more. Controversies about Yeah there's so much controversy uh, And funny
1: enough I went uh, Down the rabbit hole mm. Trying to research On that thing And you know People say It contains sugar One it doesn't contain sugar It contains aspartame Yeah And people are like Aspartame is carcinogenic Yes And then you realize Okay it is Let me do more research And find out and then you realize yes it's carcinogenic, which means it can cause cancer but and then you realize uh, it's in the which category and then you realize it's in category i think c mm. which is the same category is meat and other things also yeah, yeah so before you start hyping something saying this thing is bad because you just had it's carcinogenic, maybe it's yeah. time you should check also at what level of carcinogenic exactly, it is exactly so personally i do a lot of uh, Aspartame containing drinks, mm-hmm. uh, Coke zero and the likes and uh, uh, mainly just to avoid extra calories. You know, yeah, you're yeah, just yeah. taking unnecessary calories. If I'm taking calories, uh, let them be from meat, yeah, let yeah, it yeah. be from yeah, yeah. uh, no harm to vegans, but I'm saying let it be from a source that's having other important values in your body. Yeah. Okay. Let's, for example. Uh, there's something you mentioned, uh, uh, vitamin A, Mm. vegetables. They still give you calories, right? Yeah, they They also have other importance. Exactly. So consume things which are important to your body at the same time giving you the calories. Don't drink calories for no apparent reason. And I had
0: to learn that. At some point, I had to be able to do like, you know where you count your calories today? How many (laughs) calories have I eaten? Uh, Trying to calculate the calories of the food you're taking. So, and I and, and I remember myself those days uh, when I used to do that and it became, it used to stress me yeah. every time you eat, every time because you're, but I had to learn about, yeah. you know, every time you, nowadays I gauge, usually yeah, yeah, I roughly have yeah. okay, eaten this or I've had a muffin, yeah. or I've had this, then you know, okay, I've had enough uh, sugary stuff today. Uh, maybe I'm not touching yeah. this for another. For another, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Ideally, that's how we should be. We balance things. Yeah. Than living in a restrictive life. Yeah. Okay. Do something for the longevity. Exactly. For the you know the amount of time you can do will not have a burden to your mental mm. health and everything else. Uh, again, to mention something, there's so much misinformation. There's Twitter talks about health and this and that. Uh, what's your advice for the general public on what they should perceive as an information.
0: So what I tell everyone is that, you know, even there's a lot of people who just follow me now and on Twitter and they would be like, just go and see what, uh, listen to what Dr. Rain says or listen to whatever. But at the end of the day is, is whatever information that you consume, whether it's coming from from somebody who is a doctor, because now we have a lot of misinformation from doctors as well or people who claim to be doctors. To be
1: doctors, yes. Um yeah, but one thing, uh, let me interrupt you is, if you, even if you're a doctor, if you become over-obsessed because of a certain information, mm. then your aspect of being doctor has just gone away. Because yeah, yeah. one of the key things about doctors is, we never go to an extreme for anything, isn't mm. it? Everything is a balance, just the way you mentioned, the child's screen health, mm. not giving them screens because screen is for learning you had you as a father you had that reasoning because you know your knowledge has given you that ability to reason Mm. but when you're a doctor and you just decide to say phones are bad and your child never touches a phone until they're 15 year old what kind of human being are you bringing to the world yeah so same thing yeah
0: continue and it's uh it's it's very many things that can make um a doctor have or give biased information, you know. Even when they they know the research, they know the science. Um, culturally, the way we are brought up, you know, it can conflict. Uh, religion also can conflict into into making a lot of decisions or uh, scientific re- decisions as well. Political views. Yeah, we <laughs> have seen people who are professors and what, but when you hear them talk about certain political views, you 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 wonder you know is like is this really is this really uh an academic or, or or whatever so those those are things that i what i encourage people is um not all the information is the same is the same quality to recommend there are different types of evidence and you always want to go for the one that has the strongest argument and evidence what you read from a twitter post or a youtube video or what you'll read from a scientific journal um, and the different studies of different journals is is what will will uh, determine where the information is likely to be more more correct. So it's important not to 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 be emotional. Misinformation targets a lot about our mis, uh, our our emotions. Yeah, like for example, as soon as the story about GMO started coming in place, the, I started seeing. Twitter has that habit though. Um, once JMO is spoken about, everybody becomes an expert. An yeah? expert, yeah. Once we talk about COVID, then everybody's a virologist yes. and immunologist <laughs> and they know all about vaccines because yeah. they, it's like they've known it for so many years, the way they speak. Mm-hmm. And they'll start quoting things based on a YouTube video they watched or yeah. a tweet that was, that was seen. So it's all about um, just making sure that it, it's just because I'm a doctor, yes, it helps. But as long as I'm telling you, I'm telling you this information because there is WHO this this this, or there is this research saying this this this, and that's why I'm saying it. I'm not saying it because I'm Doctor Rain and yeah. I'm smarter than everybody else. Yeah, no? yeah, yeah.
1: Doctors are not smarter than you. Yeah. And anyway, uh, what are three advices for the parent? Final question, maybe.
0: Um, for the parents, yeah, love your child. Um, before you get kids. Make sure you're getting kids because both of you want the kids. Because sometimes maybe one wants and the other one is not ready. Be patient before you decide on bringing uh, life into this world. Because if you if you people are not uh, ready mm-hmm. psychologically, you're going to affect this child, and by affecting the child, you're going to affect the way they grow up as as an adult and the type of productive. Um, citizen they will become. Um. Yeah, so for parenting, then it's, yeah, just keep, keep, uh, continue the good fight. Parenting is not easy. It takes a lot of sacrifice in, in parenting. Uh, it can either make you or break you. So yeah, just look at the positives of, of, of parenting. That's what I would say.
1: Thank you, Dr. Rain. Thank you for coming and joining us today and educating the masses. It's one of the incredible work that you do for the society Thank and for you. the globe. Uh, we'll provide your details on how people can reach you if they require pediatric consultancy and to discuss with you about the upbringing of their children. I'll provide your links to your social media accounts and even your contacts. Under the description below and I'm also telling the listeners and the viewers to tune in once again we'll have more consultants in we'll discuss matters about health and ways to improve your health and consider subscribing to this channel or listen to this podcast always thank you